fighting for freedom every day. They are absolutely desperate to pretend the last four years never happened and for them to go back to what they like to do before, which is create these massive spending bills to pretend that it's really, really important to you when you only get about 5% of what's in the bill and they can't do it because we're aware of it. We're paying attention to it and they don't like that. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. What a day today has been. Welcome into the program. It is great to have you for the ride as my computer screens go completely blank. So that's really nice. We'll try and get that back up and going. It's been one of those days, a productive day, but a good day all around as well. So, hey, welcome into the program, broadcasting live out of the heart of the nation here in Wichita, Kansas, on our flagship radio station all over the country, radio and TV, plus the live streaming and podcasting thereafter as well. If everything seems to be running smoothly, which hopefully they end up doing here. Uh, it's a Monday. Hopefully you had a great weekend, a week after Easter already. I can't believe that we're flying through April this fastly already as well. We have a heck of a lot to get to, and you are in for a treat today as we do the thing that we do. Your Millennial General reporting for duty like we like to do every single day. And there's a lot of current events we'll get to here in a second. There's some news. The Rock, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, that is... Potentially running for president. We'll talk about that. I don't know about that one. See, that one kind of bothers me. I don't know that I want him to run for president. Let's just be honest about that. I love The Rock. I don't want to damage my like for him and his movies because of his political opinion. So we'll talk about that here in just a little bit as well. Outside of that, it's great to have you for the ride as we continue on doing what we do. Today's going to be a little bit different, and we have a great guest. I'm super excited to talk with our guest today as he is a great friend. We've had him on many times. I saw a post about a week or two ago of him on another show on the Glenn Beck podcast. And as I listened to what he had to talk about, it's great because we've talked about these topics before on this show. And I love talking with him about these issues. It's a little bit deeper. We like to unveil the layers of the, which is what we normally do on this program. Anyways, we're a little bit unique in that sense. We don't talk about just the hot topic, current events, and do a quick hit and move on. We like to talk about deeper issues. We like to talk about things in a little bit lighter, a little bit deeper manner, because that's what we do on this show to try and help you and try and help me understand the world and the craziness that goes on around it. So, uh, as I was listening to this podcast of the Glenn Beck podcast, I got excited because I said, "Hey, I had him on first. I got to talk to him first, so I figured we had to get him back on the show because I think it's an extremely important conversation for us to have. He is a professor at the University of Boulder in Colorado and uh, author of numerous books, including the latest one, but I'm excited to have on here Professor Ben Teitelbaum with us. Ben, how are you, my friend? It is a pleasure to be with you, Andy. I'm doing well. How about yourself? Oh, it's always good to talk to you, and it's been way too long, so happy 2021 to you. And I'm glad that you were able to kind of get this word out with uh, with Glenn Beck's podcast, and I know that it's kind of blowing up with other opportunities as well, because this is such a unique topic about the idea of traditionalism and spirituality and politics, which if you don't like those two together, you know, they always say, don't talk about religion and politics at the dinner table, but that's exactly what we do, because uh, to me, it's two of the most important things we could potentially talk about. But yes. traditionalism, I, I, I'm so intrigued by it because... You talk about this, about how it so closely aligns with conservatism and with libertarianism, but it's not the same thing. But for many conservatives and libertarians, we kind of like to partner with it, although it may not be the best thing to do. Before we go down that road and go into the spiritual side, talk about traditionalism. And your book kind of focused around Steve Bannon 
uh, and you got to interview him for a while and talk about uh, talk to him, and, and you wrote this book about Steve Bannon and this movement. But I guess the big question to start this off is, what the heck is traditionalism? Oh, sure. So, I mean, when, when you're talking like that, Andy, I'm sure a lot of a lot of your listeners probably say, oh, yeah, tradition. I'm, I'm a traditionalist. Yes. Right. I, I, I'm, I'm a little skeptical of change. Uh, I think sometimes the old fashioned way of doing something is better. This is something not totally different, but it'll help you if you think it's totally different. Yeah. <laughs> so so these these figures, traditionalism, it's 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 a strange school. You're more likely to see like books, let's say, coming from traditionalist thinkers with a capital T that I'm talking about here. You're more likely to see it in a new age bookstore than any place else. You're not likely to see it in a political science classroom at college. Not likely to hear it discussed on TV or radio. And to start with, the way that these people think is they look at the world today and they see um, a de- decrease in borders. And when I say borders, I mean any border you can think of. National boundaries, distinctions between men and women, distinctions between nationalities, ethnicities, hierarchies, any type of border. They see borders of all kinds collectively disintegrating mm-hmm. in the world. They see at the same time that politics has increasingly, whether you're on the left or the right, that politics more and more just has to deal with economics. It just has to deal with money and goods. Another way to say that is is that our politics is becoming exclusively materialistic. We don't think beyond uh, beyond economics to talk about culture, meaning, spirituality. They see those things happening at the same time, and they think that they're all intertwined. And they think that it is, in fact, part of a grand system or cycle uh, that we've seen throughout history and that it's leading to a place of chaos. Now, that might, so far, that might sound uh, appealing to some, some of your listeners. Here's, this, here's the distinctive p- feature of all this. They see us moving to chaos, more, material, more materiality, more borderlessness, and they think it is good. <laughs> because they think it is going to lead to a sort of collapse and a rebirth afterwards. So this is very strange stuff, and it's it's not just the ideas themselves, but where they get them that separates them from other from other conservatives in most cases. Yeah, well, even the idea of a birth or, or the, you know, kind of the reset button, the great awakening, the great reset, I mean, having something collapse and kind of rebuild, even to many conservatives and even myself to a degree, is somewhat appealing. <laughs> and I like that idea of, you know what, we've gone too far in the progressive mindset centralized government they have way too much power we can't bring it back to the states let's hit the reset button and start this baby over that mindset is a good idea but you kind of talk about okay that even if even if we align all the way up to that point what comes after is the concerning part right always always and you never know uh, you know as different people who embrace this way of thinking it's very vague actually so they come up with with lots of different agendas for themselves and and some of them i think are really dangerous where what you know what they really want to see is they want to see you know liberal democracy classical liberalism some of the ideals that underpin the u.s constitution let's say um I'm, you know when i say liberalism i don't mean the left necessarily i'm speaking a, a different type of liberalism sure. um you know big picture they they see that and they think okay that's the ultimate evil in the world and what is going to replace uh, you know, the free market, free freedom, liberty, and equality, all those values is going to be a theocracy. And that's the good thing that they're waiting to see come back around when things are destroyed. 
And those, you know, those are the, the questions you always have to ask is if it's very easy to criticize things today, what do people want to put in its place? Yes. Um, and so, you know, in the case with Steve Bannon, it, it's, it, he goes in so many different areas and I don't think he's entirely made up his mind on what, what he wanted. Steve Bannon is, is someone who is really affiliated with this way of thinking, what my book is very much about. Um, but some other thinkers, they look at this and they, they want to see the destruction. They want to see things torn apart and what they want in its place is something very foreign to most people today. It's interesting. Certainly most Americans. Uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, especially, I mean, we, we like our defined lines, which is interesting. I mean, the book, The Ret uh, War for Eternity, The Return of Traditionalism and the Rise of the Populist Right, uh, it, it's interesting as we talk about the the dissolving, I guess, of borders and the dissolving of kind of defined lines and just kind of having universal anarchy across the board. I mean, Steve Bannon was mm -hmm. one that, I mean, really fought for the private wall at the border. How does that fit into the the idealism of you know America first. I mean, he worked with President Trump that focused mm -hmm. on America first, and you know the, the, our country. We need to stand strong for our countries as, as opposed to pandering to other nations. Where did Steve Bannon fit in this conversation? Is he kind of fronted mm -hmm. the private wall discussion down there? Oh yeah, I mean, for him, it, it was it was like he was motivated not just by political practical. Uh, factors, but there was also kind of a spiritual dimension to this, right? I mean, he not only fought for the border wall between the U.S. and Mexico, he was working to see the European Union disintegrated yeah. um, in Europe. So Brexit, that, yeah. you know, the national Brexit. I mean, he, he, he. We, we, I don't think we really understand exactly how much he did with Brexit, but he was he was involved at a fairly high level in a couple different ways, and and there too, it was about let's. Let's create borders. Um, you know, what is he hoping will happen after the fact? Well, one of the things is is political sovereignty, um, and that's something that I think would you know appeals to a lot of people is that it's the same same reason, Andy, when you were talking about states' rights, that if you put borders up, if you if you break apart mass entities, you'll see more independence and power at a local level for the for people, sure, uh, average everyday people. Um, and that that certainly is 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 a big part of uh, of his goal, and that's something he's willing to talk about in in interviews and things like that. Where things were somewhat murky with with Steve are are these these other beliefs that that you know he also kind of would celebrate the idea of almost a uniform religious community within uh, within a state within a nation, mm. and and where he's not quite. Where some other figures who I study are and saying that Iran, for example, is the ideal nation. I don't think Steve Bannon would ever say something like that. But it's in that territory a little bit, and that's that's where people wonder. When I write, when I wrote my book, Steve Bannon, I found him peculiar and strange enough that I, I really didn't prescribe an interpretation of him, because people people can buy ideas for all sorts of reasons, right? Um, and and they can be hypocritical or they can make hybrids of different ideologies and things like that. Kind of like the sect of please. a church, like, a, you know, the uh, you know yeah. Lutherans or the Baptists. I mean, just kind of a, you take one idea and then you take a, few, a small part of it and kind of run your own direction with it. People, everyone does that, right? Mm. We, we, we categorize people just out of, out of necessity and convenience. But, you know, with Bannon, it was, it was really hard. I could tell that he was trying to work a number of ideas together. But um, it certainly separates him from virtually everyone else in American conservatism. I think if you mention the traditionalism that I've been talking to you about, capital T, to most, uh, most American Republicans, I bet if you went to Washington, 
999 out of 1,000 would have no clue what I'm talking about. I was going to um, say, you know, I mean, that's how, much, how obscure this is. Of course. I mean, it's kind of a limited thing. I mean, working with Donald Trump, did someone like Donald Trump know about this pushing for America first agenda, focusing on you know, closing the borders, close, uh, focusing on what he did as a relatively populist conservative president? Uh, mm-hmm. Was he aware of this traditionalist agenda that Steve Banning was kind of pushing behind the scenes as he was an advisor for him? And do you think maybe that was the terror or did, was Trump even aware of this stuff? Indirectly, indirectly. And, the, and this, my information about this comes from Bannon, of course, so I, so I have to preface that. But they had a conversation. Bannon told me that he and, and Trump had a conversation um, in response to some media coverage. And uh, Trump had said to Steve, well, you know, the way that I see myself is that I'm a creator, right? I'm here to make a new, a new age and, and create new things in the United States. And Bannon had previously said, no, I see this administration as being a force for um, disruption, essentially, mm-hmm. that we have this massive administrative state and we need to actually tear things apart rather than build things up right now. Um, and, and Trump didn't like that. And Bannon thought, you know what, that's fine. Sure. <laughs> um, likewise, there was an encounter between Jared Kushner and Steve Bannon um, in terms of foreign policy, where they were discussing the war in Syria and whether or not to intervene. And Bannon's response to Jared Kushner was, well, we're living in an age of destruction actually right now. There's going to be strife and and chaos, and it kind of just has to happen. There's nothing we're going to be able to do to stop it. And that freaked Jared Kushner out, and that might have had something to do with, with something. Yeah, with, I mean, that with, kind with of that tear. Let's go ahead and take a break here, real quick. We're talking with Professor Ben Teitelbaum. This is really fascinating stuff. I love it. The War for Eternity is the book. We'll talk about this traditionalism, the spirituality behind it, and more when we come back. Stay here on the Voice of Reason. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Hey, it's Andy Hoosier with the Voice of Reason. Fighting for conservative principles seems more difficult all the time. The progressive left seems to find new and creative ways to limit freedom, abuse power, and trample the Constitution each and every day. That's why we need the knowledge, resources, and common sense to push back. And we can help with that. Visit our website at HoosierReason.com. There's some really great stuff for you. You can read the latest blog discussing topical issues and current events. Let us know your thoughts by filling out our monthly survey. Keep track of what I might be doing or where I may be speaking. Listen to the podcast of your favorite guest or show. And check out our latest Voice of Reason product infomercials. Plus, you can find upcoming show schedules and guest lineups to plan your radio listening appropriately. And finally, make sure to become a Hoosier-holic by subscribing to the free newsletter. Stay up to date on the latest news of the show, fun facts of the month, and learn new ways to defend and preserve this great republic. It's all there at HoosierReason.com. Again, HoosierReason.com. Go check it out. Why? Because it's kind of the reasonable thing to do. Hey, it's Andy Hoosier. Want to reach out to the show? A big part of the program is you, and we want to hear from you. Let us know your thoughts of the show, maybe a guest we've had on the program, or my favorite, when you disagree with something that I talk about. You can email me at HoosierMediaNetwork at gmail.com or send us a message through our website at HoosierReason.com. The show's not about me. It's about you. So be heard and be your own voice of reason. Again, email me at HoosierMediaNetwork at gmail.com or find our contact information at HoosierReason.com. Miss part of the show? Don't worry about it. There's plenty of ways to catch the program. And here's how you can do it. First, make sure to tune in every day right here on your favorite radio station. We're here for you. Second, subscribe to the podcast on any of your favorite sites. YouTube and iTunes, Spotify and Google Play, TuneIn, Podbean, and more. Have the show automatically downloaded to your favorite device. Last, visit our website at HoosierReason.com. You can listen to the podcast, 
catch our special features and more. It's the voice of reason on radio, TV, and online, helping you defend and preserve this great republic. You're listening to the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. All right, you're all welcome back into the program. 24 minutes past the hour. Thanks for hanging out with us today, radio and TV, plus the live streaming and podcasting thereafter as well. This program, way more exciting than even watching Joe Biden try to walk up a pair of stairs. <laughs> See what we did there? And I don't have my soundbar with me, so that's nice, too. Uh, we're talking with Professor Ben Teitelbaum, professor at University of Colorado in Boulder in ethnomusicologist which because of that and because of your travel this is this always gives me an, an excuse to be able to do this <laughs> all right that makes me happy professor um have you have you heard the new album yet that's amazing no i haven't actually oh haven't. man the new album came out just i don't want six, six six eight months ago uh, phenomenal i i love the now, new album um now andy does your wife is she cool with your metal interest you your know she, it's funny she says every time i get in your car andy it sounds like i'm getting yelled at <laughs> that's okay that's all right now real quickly just to kind of a sidebar here with you doing the ethnomusicology i know you travel to uh, sweden a lot and you're really involved in that is that still a big thing, the, the whole Viking mindset in the Nordic regions like that? The music, obviously, is really big. I'm getting into some of the lighter music, but still kind of that same theme. But is it still like a really yeah. big thing up there? Oh, yeah. If you, it, It's funny. I, I used to have outside, actually, my office door. Because, yeah, as you're saying, half, half of the classes that I teach at CU are, are, are music-related. I used to have a map. Someone did like a color-coded map of heavy metal bands per capita worldwide. Uh-huh. And Sweden, Norway, Finland blow everyone out of the water. I love it. I love it. Like by a long shot, by a long shot. That's what I'm talking (laughs) about. See, that's why I need to go up there and I need to experience this. I got to see them. I I don't remember if it was after or before I talked to you the last time, but Amon Amarth actually came here to Wichita uh, doing a U.S. tour, which blew my mind. Usually they only play the major festivals. They came to Wichita, and yes, I got to see them. Check that off my bucket list, and it was one of the most amazing concerts I've been to. (laughs) Nice, nice. Yeah, I love it. I yeah, love we usually it. get we usually get some of them in Denver here too. I, mean, I was gonna say, I'm sure Denver's a big market. Stuff. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. How many? And we just got a couple minutes before we take the bottom of the hour break. When we come back, I want to talk about the spirituality side of this this political thing. But uh, the culture wise, are we seeing influences of this mindset? I mean, from the European culture starting to influence the U.S. maybe a little bit more than usual i know that like bernie sanders talks about denmark and sweden is kind of the socialist utopia that we need to kind of mimic off of that's what the progressives have been doing but how much of that culture actually is beginning to infiltrate in u.s culture right now well it it depends it depends what we're talking about right the the nationalist populist movement that that a lot of people connect with trump in the united states you know, that has been going on in Europe for at least 10 years, depending on how you want to how you want to define it. Mm. Right. And so that that has certainly come uh, come a lot from from Europe. When you look at what's coming from Scandinavia, it's really a mistake to say that that Sweden is, for example, a socialist country. Um, Sweden's not a socialist country. It's a capitalist country with a lot of welfare programs on top of that. 
So, you know, so I don't know. When I listen to these these debates about Sweden and the United States, you kind of can't agree with anybody. Yeah, it kind of makes you, <laughs> you know, because the left, you know, thinks that it's a socialist utopia and it's not, and the right, you know, it, it's also kind of problematic for the right to see that, you know, a capitalist country can have those social programs and still be a capitalist country. So no, but nobody's happy. Yeah, nobody's right? happy. It's never the perfect utopia of what they actually want, but it's a step in their direction because of these social programs, I'm sure. Uh, that they like to focus on. But as you mentioned, I mean, having more of a capitalist system as well, they they thrive and do relatively well. we got to take a break here. Bottom of the hour, talking with Professor Ben Teitelbaum, author of the book The War for Eternity. Also, your first book, which we got to interview about when that came out as well, Lions of the North, uh, which is, I want to touch on that a little bit later as well. But when we come back, we'll shift your spirituality and politics. Are they commingling right now with this movement of traditionalism? And what does that mean for the future of politics? We'll cover all that and more here on The Voice Reason for a Monday, kicking off your week a heck of a new, unique way right here on the show, because that's what we do. Stay here. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Hey, it's Andy Hoosier. While you listen to the delightful broadcast of The Voice of Reason, don't forget to check us out and follow us on all of our social media sites. Whether you're using Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Minds.com, or Instagram, we're there for you. Find us at Hoosier Reason on any of your social media platforms. You'll see special commentary, links to the articles and news that we use on the show, and videos of the broadcast. Plus, you can directly send us a message on social media during the show to let me know your thoughts. Many already do, and it's a great chat room for all of our great listeners. And you can always sign up for the Patreon site to get exclusive content, maybe hear show products before we air them on the radio, and a lot more. And when you support us on Patreon, you also help the show be able to fight for conservative values each and every day. So it's a win-win. Just find us at Hoosier Reason on all of your social media platforms, or you can find a link to all of our social media sites on our website at HoosierReason.com. We know you're on social media already, so bring some reason into your day. Why? Because it's kind of the reasonable thing to do. When Reason Meets Radio. You're listening to The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Darn right you are. Welcome back into the program. Can you believe halfway over already? Flies right on by. We could do literally three hours of this and still not have enough time. Welcome into the broadcast, radio and TV, plus the live streaming and podcasting thereafter as well. Trying to cram that 10 pounds of reason into that five-pound bag. Trying to rebrand the millennial generation, one radio listener at a time. Your millennial general reporting for duty. Again, again got to come in with it. Come on. Let's do it. <laughs> right here, only on The Voice of Reason. Andy, what's that angry music? Yeah, that's that's conservative talk right there, baby. Talking with <laughs> Professor Ben Teitelbaum uh, with the University of Colorado at Boulder. He is author of the book War for Eternity, also Lions of the North. And uh, one of my favorite guests that we have on the pro, we got to do this more frequently. We got to get you on because apparently, you know, Glenn Beck's going to have you. All these other guys, all the big wigs are getting you. So, like, you were on this show first, and I love that. So, we get to claim that. <laughs> Absolutely. I think you were one of the first radio shows I ever did, actually. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, I love it. It's an honor to have you on the program. Let's get into this traditionalism again and the spiritual side of this uh, because, as you mentioned just briefly before, is that 
the really the whole drive of this idea of, of traditionalism is really kind of a spiritual movement for this. Uh, I mean, we talk about now the Great Awakening. We hear about this Great Reset. We hear about, so, I mean, I see it as almost like the animal instinct when a storm is coming and animals kind of instinctively know that the storm's coming and they know something's happening. I hear a lot of people talk about this Great Reset or this Great Awakening or this Great Transition. Is that what we're talking about with this traditionalist movement? Well, it makes you wonder. Right. I don't think that we need traditionalism actually to, to, to have that conversation. We've, we've always known, if you look at like the principles that underlie the United States, if you think that our two core values have always been liberty and equality, right? The left and the right have different ways of thinking about liberty and equality, but those are, those are kind of the ideals. If it's equality before the law, if it's liberty, property of conscience, so on, those, those are our core ideas and they can do a lot of great things they take people out of poverty they spur a tremendous amount of innovation um in energy but we've always known from the beginning that those those ideals are not great at creating community and they're not always great at giving meaning to people's lives they're not ends in and of themselves they might be preparatory stages but they're not great at at telling people what they're what 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 live should be all about. And so when we see a pushback against it, what I think is going on is that, you know, periodically a generation will say, okay, we, we have these ideals and that's, that's great. If we, if, if we feel like we're, we're achieving and pursuing freedom, um, that's great, but I want something more in my life and maybe it's not enough to simply do it on my own. Maybe I want a community to do it as well. So, so that could be stirring around. I kind of see the stuff that I've written about as just being one potential response to that, that deeper, bigger problem that we always know is there. Sure. Trying to answer those questions, trying to figure it all out for sure. On the spiritual yes. side, the traditionalists, where do they get their spiritual guidance from? You had mentioned this before a little bit in your book as well, too, about really coming from some of the, I guess, quote unquote, ancient religions, Hinduism sort of thing, but some of the, the stuff prior to a lot of what we hear about today, don't we? Oh, yeah, ab- absolutely. They, you know, some traditionalists, traditionalists, they could be Catholics. Very few of them are Christian, if if not Catholic. Almost all are Catholic, but it's deceptive because they're they would embrace Catholicism with the idea that it's kind of an imperfect channel to something that actually exists prior to Christianity. Um, when they, when we, when you talk about traditionalism, it gets its name from the belief that ages and ages ago, millennia in the past, there used to be a true religion, the tradition that was understood and it was correct and authentic and people knew what it was. But as as time went on, remember earlier we were saying they, they believe that we're kind of in a cycle of decline. Mm. As time went on, humanity starts forgetting what that is. Its truths get splintered in a number of directions. And really just a handful of religions around the world today that we know of, they believe, contain just trace elements of that old past. So they'll devote themselves to one particular religion most often, but they do it with the belief that that they're actually just getting a sliver of something bigger and that other religions often have a, a piece of the truth as well. So, you know, a, a shocking moment in my book. I, I love trotting this out, to, especially to people who really, you know, like my my left wing friends here in here in Boulder, Colorado, who, who have a lot of stereotypes about Steve Bannon. 
Steve Bannon told me that he could have imagined himself converting to Sufi Islam as well. You know, he became a Catholic, but he could have seen himself becoming a, a, a Sufi as well. I have this in the book. And and that lets you know how strange, <laughs> strange this is. And a lot of these people convert to Hinduism as well. But the belief is, is that all those religions are actually, especially the mystical brands of those religions, are, are speaking to something uh, more eternal, older, and, and authentic. That's interesting, and those are some of the last ones that really focus on that, isn't it? I mean, the, I mean, what does this religion or what does this idea really consume? Is that more of just worshiping everything is the earth? Is it? Uh, I mean, obviously, that's, I mean, that's my problem, honestly, with many religions is they kind of put these boxes around and like, all right, here's your spirituality, and you can't go beyond these boxes, or else you sin or you do something bad, which to me is kind mm-hmm. of interesting. But I mean, these are a little bit different. It's it's you know in this case what is so hard as a, as a commentator is you know to to put my finger on is that they're they're really good at saying what they're against mm-hmm. they don't like modernity they don't like the age that we live in but but traditionalists are not great at saying what they're for and and understanding what that religious truth is is is, is pretty difficult it doesn't go much beyond what I've said to you in this in our radio today, this belief in cyclic time, a belief in an opposition between materialism and spirituality, a, a belief in the value of borders in human society, sure. um, but but certainly a belief that what what matters most is is what is immaterial, um, and that 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 truth was you know was always there. So those things are there, but that that's pretty. I really haven't said that much, Andy. If you know if that doesn't tell you a lot about what what they believe in, you know, perhaps that's a strength of it. Yeah. Thinking about what you just said, that, that, that it's, it's better to have kind of open, uh, an open framework rather than a closed framework when you're thinking about things as, as difficult as spirituality and what we think the, the secrets and the mysteries of the world are. Sure. Well, it's fascinating because for so long we've tried to, in, in many aspects, you know, one political side or the other tries to push religion out of the conversation. I mean, I always see and I yeah. reference this story that as the size of central government and federal government grows, that religious individuals decrease in the population more from, I think, the left side of the aisle because they want the government to solve something. Oh, there's a mass shooting government. What will you do for us as opposed mm. to looking to a higher power for the answers or trying to, to console or or defend yourself or whatever? It's it's don't look at a higher power. Look at the government to solve things. Uh, so we've seen kind of a pushing out of many religious or spiritual aspects in politics, I think, as of late. But then at the same time, let's look at maybe a conspiracy theorist for a second and like the QAnon movement and the individual that was in Washington, D.C. and went to the Capitol and had the, you know, the, the Buffalo thing on. And he had talks about. Jelly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And he talks about his spirituality. I mean, is that part of this movement of this new great awakening kind of thing that's happening? Is that where this QAnon conspiracy movement came from? <laughs> it's interesting you ask. I've, I've had some mediated contact uh with with the QAnon shaman, really? Um, maybe it it's uh, you know it, it's interesting in interviews with him. He'll say that he what he thought Trump was going to do was initiate a reunion between human beings and the environment. Mm-hmm. Uh, you often you don't think of Donald Trump being this great you know this environmentalist, <laughs> but that was certainly what 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 he this guy saw. It it could be, yeah. It, it it could be. I mean, it's it's also yeah. You can talk about the growth of of a, of a mass administrative state corresponding to a decrease in 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 religion. On the other hand, we also see some fairly unconventional religious movements also spurring up in places where there's a lot of economic and social security. 
you know, where some of those social causes of the left, let's say, have almost been fulfilled, like Sweden. Sweden, I think, is a very deceptively religious society, even though it's officially quite secular. But when when people pursue those those causes to their ends and then they realize that you know what this isn't quite enough right this isn't this isn't doing everything for me yeah um and having my material needs taken care of actually is not going to relieve me of all my burdens and that wasn't that wasn't the end all of my life then you see you see this pushback the where, where things get tricky i think andy is that is that that can go in so many different ways it can be things that you think are really help, you know, healthy and inspiring and, and true, and it can be things that are easily manipulated, destructive, it, and, it's, and it's hard to predict where, where it goes. But I think, I think it's a real mistake for anyone, if it's, if it's kind of the more economically focused Republicans, if it is the left that only cares about uh, economics as well or, or identity politics, it's a real mistake to not take spirituality seriously and not think that human beings themselves are spiritual human spiritual creatures that need to be need to be spoken uh, about in in those terms if you don't do that you leave the door open for someone else to come and do it for you yeah no that's very true we got just about 30 seconds before we have to take a break so i want to tease this going into the next segment but ideally if these traditionalists get what they want and we see this destructive uh, era that we're in and we do this reset what would be the ideal utopia for them at the end of this? Would it be more like a caste system like the you know, Middle Ages? Would this just be complete anarchy without government? Um, uh, in about 20 seconds, as a little tease before we go into it, what would their ideal uh, vision look like? <laughs> you get two, two, different, two different ideals. One of them is Iran, probably with a caste system built into it. The other one is something closer to a libertarian ideal, um, but where the the highest ideals in the society don't have to do with money, even independence or individualism. They have to do with spiritual advance. I can explain more later. Yeah, let's do that when we come back here. It's Professor Ben Teitelbaum, uh, political commentator, also a professor at the University of Colorado in Boulder. A War for Eternity is the book. Definitely recommend this one. Fascinating conversation. We'll come back, wrap this one up here for a Monday. Stay here on The Voice of Reason. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Hey, it's Andy Hoosier with The Voice of Reason. Fighting for conservative principles seems more difficult all the time. The progressive left seems to find new and creative ways to limit freedom, abuse power, and trample the Constitution each and every day. That's why we need the knowledge, resources, and common sense to push back, and we can help with that. Visit our website at HoosierReason.com. There's some really great stuff for you. You can read the latest blog discussing topical issues and current events. Let us know your thoughts by filling out our monthly survey. Keep track of what I might be doing or where I may be speaking. Listen to the podcast of your favorite guest or show. And check out our latest Voice of Reason product infomercials. Plus, you can find upcoming show schedules and guest lineups to plan your radio listening appropriately. And finally, make sure to become a Hoosier-holic by subscribing to the free newsletter. Stay up to date on the latest news of the show, fun facts of the month, and learn new ways to defend and preserve this great republic. It's all there at HoosierReason.com. Again, HoosierReason.com. Go check it out. Why? Because it's kind of the reasonable thing to do. Miss part of the show? Don't worry about it. There's plenty of ways to catch the program. And here's how you can do it. First, make sure to tune in every day right here on your favorite radio station. We're here for you. Second, subscribe to the podcast on any of your favorite sites. YouTube and iTunes, Spotify and Google Play, TuneIn, Podbean, and more. Have the show automatically downloaded to your favorite device. Last, visit our website at HoosierReason.com. You can listen to the podcast, catch our special features, and more. It's the voice of reason on radio, TV, and online. 
online, helping you defend and preserve this great republic. Hey, it's Andy Hoosier. Want to reach out to the show? A big part of the program is you, and we want to hear from you. Let us know your thoughts of the show, maybe a guest we've had on the program, or my favorite when you disagree with something that I talk about. You can email me at network at gmail.com or send us a message through our website at hoosierreason.com. The show's not about me. It's about you. So be heard and be your own voice of reason. Again, email me at network at gmail.com or find our contact information at hoosierreason.com. You're listening to The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Oh, flies on by. I don't want it to end. We have way too much fun here on the program trying to rebrand the Millennial Generation One radio listener at a time having more fun than watching Joe Biden walk up a flight of stairs. Ha! See what we did there? It's a good joke. Last couple of minutes here with Ben Teitelbaum, professor at University of Colorado at Boulder, author of a couple of books, War for Eternity, also Lions of the North. Highly recommend both of those, especially this last one. As we talk about traditionalism, War for Eternity, the return of traditionalism and the rise of the populist right. Now, the big question as we kind of wrap this up, Ben, is looking towards the future of if they get what they want, what would society look like in their great mindset? Because I I have to, the more you describe the traditionalism, and I know it closely aligns with conservative and libertarian values of, you know, limited government seeing this reset, this great awakening, you know, know, the destruction that is happening, which I do believe wholeheartedly in all of this stuff, tying spiritualism in the same thing as well, knowing that not all the religions really, you know, define exactly what we want, but knowing that there's something else out there, like this is, you're speaking to me, brother, I mean, this is exactly what I've been going down this entire road the the great split, the great divide, the fork in the road here between them and most conservatives and libertarians is what the after effects would be. So again, like just talk about if, you know, the, at the end of all this, if they got what they wanted when the new reset actually hit, what would that actually look like for them? Well, for, for traditionalists elsewhere, like say there's a Russian guy that I, I study quite a bit, pretty influential guy in Russia, Alexander Dugan. He wants to see something like Iran. He would have priests, or mullahs, in the state at the highest level. Mm. And perhaps underneath it, you would have something like a Hindu caste system. And at the top of the caste system would be priests. That would mark the importance of spirituality in society. Um, and it's pretty rigid. Um, and I doubt that's, that's what you... you no, that's, like. that's where Talk we divide. Speak. We don't like that. We, we like our individualism, and the church ain't going to tell me what to do. Yeah. You know, Steve Bannon, it's a little different. Um, he still is not big on individualism. He, he wants especially this individualism in the same way as he wants to see free market capitalism subordinated to the nation, to the nation state. If that's the state or if that's the community, that's a, another question. But um, he doesn't like that. But he outlined to me something kind of like the caste system, where instead of having rigid caste, you just have an, a hierarchy of values in society, with spirituality being the, the top of all of them, and that he wanted to see the sort of society in the United States where the working class in particular, which he thinks has a spiritual mandate and spiritual significance in a way other sectors of American society do not. He wanted to see the working class go on a spiritual journey collectively. Mm. Um, Things get murky when he starts talking about that, but and you, and you never know what, does he mean something with the state? 
typically in the United States, that's not the way we think. There are those who see the, you know, the the American Revolution as having removed an intermediary between the citizen, between people and God and a deity, removing the king um, and thereby having a sort of religious revolution along with the political revolution. And that's what made America what it is, which is somewhat of a religious you know, supermarket almost. Um, there's a lot of spiritual life here. Yeah. So it, it, that could be what he is, he's envisioning. It could be something like that with a little bit of, a little taste, a little sprinkling of, of the Iran picture, if not the, if not the whole thing. Yeah. Um, it's hard to say, but it, it, he's at least coming from a different place than a lot of, a lot of conservatives and not wanting to hear a lot of talk about taxes and tariffs and trade. He, he really says that that spiritual goal is what everything else, the border wall, the taxes, it's what it's all blow, for. the government blowing up the Republican party. That's what it's for in his mind. That's very, very fascinating. And you're right. That's exactly where we divide because I don't like caste systems. I don't, I mean, we're the conservatives, the, the libertarians that get off my lawn. I will do what I want to. And if I don't like what somebody else is doing, just don't force it on me. Let do you do you and I'll do me. And we're completely happy and content. Um, mm-hmm. But some form of caste system, either hierarchy based on diplomats or based on a spiritual level of a caste system, it almost sounds like they want someone kind of up at the top that, you know, because they're more uh, more enlightened than somebody else. And uh, to them, I guess mm. maybe that's what they want. Mm-hmm. It, could, it could be. There's always the question of who, you know, who's going to be officiating this and how is it all going to work? Uh, th- those are those are the tricky things. And, yeah, it scares me. I mean, I mean, Andy, I'm in, I'm in a different place politically myself. Yeah. The one the one little thing I always think is good to try and find something to like, <laughs> because most most political persuasions have something good in them. Exactly. We like to think about all the bad and most of them have something good in them. And, and I do think it reminds us that it, it's, it isn't enough to simply talk about money and whether it's redistributing money or giving the individual money. If we don't have a conversation that gets beyond the marginal tax rate, we exactly. might be missing something in the world. I'm right with there with you. Ben Teitelbaum, War for Eternity. Ben, you're a great friend. I appreciate it. It's always good to talk to you, my brother. Let's do this again here real soon. What do you say? I'd love to, Andy. I always enjoy it. Hey, always a good pleasure. Until then, I'm The Voice of Reason. Andy Hoosier, everybody have a great day. Podcast going up a little bit. Let's rock this week. What do you say? Hey, it's Andy Hoosier. While you listen to the delightful broadcast of The Voice of Reason, don't forget to check us out and follow us on all of our social media sites. Whether you're using Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Minds.com, or Instagram, we're there for you. Find us at Hoosier Reason on any of your social media platforms. You'll see special commentary, links to the articles and news that we use on the show, and videos of the broadcast. Plus, you can directly send us a message on social media during the show to let me know your thoughts. Many already do, and it's a great chat room for all of our great listeners. And you can always sign up for the Patreon site to get exclusive content, maybe hear show products before we air them on the radio, and a lot more. And when you support us on Patreon, you also help the show be able to fight for conservative values each and every day. So it's a win-win. Just find us at Hoosier Reason on all of your social media platforms, or you can find a link to all of our social media sites on our website at HoosierReason.com. We know you're on social media already, so bring some reason into your day. Why? Because it's kind of the reasonable thing to do.